This is a Crib Room podcast. Bringing you industry news, views and happenings. Hello and welcome to Series 2 of the Crib Room podcast. Thanks to Emmy Jaw Services, Plumbing, Excavation, Controlled Waste and Carpentry Services in Calgary, Boulder, Western Australia, PL7910. This is another great opportunity to hear what's happening with the mining industry and surrounds. I'm Glennie Wilson and here continuing to provide in 2021 content and podcasts related to the mining industry with news, views and happenings. And as we begin our new series, we're gathered here at our West Kalgoorlie studio. We'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners and like to pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Joining us today for Series 2, Episode 1, our new series starts with Rowena Leslie. Rowena and her sister Katrina are Wongai Yamaji people and joining us today to talk more about an established wonderful business that encourages, grows and supports a local Aboriginal workforce of operators and machinery for the mining and civil works industry. Their business is Cairo Contracting and I'm very pleased to welcome Rowena to the crib room. Rowena, great to have you here today to have a chat to us. Yeah, thanks, Glennie. Thanks for having me. Now, tell us a little bit about your business because the essence of your business has started, uh, I suppose, with you and your sister. But you're a qualified lawyer, Mm -hmm. yet in 2013 you diversed into a contracting business. Tell us about the start of Cairo. Well, uh, Cairo pretty much started, you know, around the kitchen table with my sister and I talking about what we'd like to do uh, as uh, in terms of business, what we want to do with the future. We both had little kids at the time, um, but we were in this space for a very long time and we were thinking, how can we um, just become a part of it as a business? So, yeah, we started talking about it and then uh, opportunity arose with uh, someone needing a water cart and we thought, well, we could do that. We could provide that dry hire service to them and it really took off from there. So they started off with the, the water cart and the dry hire and we'll hear a bit more about your fleet a little later on. But um, I suppose tell us a bit more about coming from that pivot that you managed to have uh, yourself uh, in law. You diversified from 2018. Uh, tell us about that change in direction. Was it something that you needed or something that you saw was an opportunity for you? Um, in 2018, so we went from um, just dry hiring machinery to actually um, taking on employees and doing the services uh, at a, a site and so I think we were always looking for opportunities to grow and how to diversify our business so it was um, it wasn't in the making in a sense but um, being in the right place at the right time also helps and so we um, we were there we heard an opportunity that came up and we presented ourselves to the company that was Anglo Gold mm-hmm. Ashanti and um, we spoke to them about what we could provide them and they were really happy to take us on board. Uh, you diversified as you mentioned there into, into some more mining stuff but a, a water cart is very well you could use it for any sort of purposes really and, mm. and even from from maybe some council works and some some road works and the like but civil and mining is there a preference for the work you engage in or is it d- just very wholesome um i think that it's uh, let me start again but civil, civil we've only taken up in the last two years uh, mining has been something that we've done all of our life so we're pretty much aware of how that industry operates and but the two industries are very different it's really great going into civils because it teaches you uh, a lot about short-term projects whereas in mining you've got long-term work with those guys so there's some certainty but there's there's a different sort of um, I guess energy in mm-hmm. mining than there is to civils um, so 
I mean, I like mining because that's where I, you know what I grew up in. But I've a bit I've learned a lot from being in the civils space. Yeah, some of the projects that you've uh, got yourself involved in are game changers, not only for the communities on the land, but also for the future. Mm. I want to talk about the Great Central Road project because that's set to open up a very special and a very beautiful landscape. What's it like being an early contractor on this project where you can start to see, you know, mm. what's going to happen down the track? Oh, look, the the good thing, whenever you start a, a project at the very beginning, there's always teething happening, and that's that's learning as well. That's opportunity for growth and learning. Um, I think it's been really good to, to see how it impacts in the community, the local people. So, as you know, the Outback Highway starts at Laverton, and um, that was a place where we spent a lot of our time growing up as well um, in Laverton. Katrina and I, and that's where we saw... Um, actual contracting businesses start for us in our family um, so it was it was really good to go back there and to see it all again and see how the town has really um, come to life you know with this activity and um, really enjoyed it seeing uh, how the Aboriginal community has been able to participate in this project. And bringing more visitors along with that project as well is going to be very beneficial and, and I suppose we'll get to a question shortly on how you're encouraging and, and empowering uh, local communities but seeing that vision now, what that road's going to create, the opportunities inside of that is going to be enormous mm. for many of these people, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, uh, ex- from the rest of Australia's viewpoint, they're thinking, yes, we're going to have a road to cut across the middle of Australia and that's going to be great for tourism and, and just for ease of access, you know, transport of goods, all of those things. Um, but I also think, you know, the background, that's what I really like being involved in, this sort of background work that we're doing, um, building the road, and after that there will be maintaining the road, all of those opportunities that will bring uh, wealth into that community there and some uh, some activity, you know, they need something. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, and education too, mm. and, and the further education that you can have for the people to tell stories and to continue the traditions of the people of the land as well. Yeah, that's right. You'll get a lot more visitors into those areas that were locked out for a long time. Only if you had to go that way, you'd go that way. But, yeah, getting more people in there and um, it opens those communities up to the rest of Australia. You mentioned Angler Gold Ashanti and also the Great Central Road. There's some formal arrangements that you have. Can you tell us about some of the other work that you do with Cairo? So Cairo has um, probably its major uh, project is with Anglo Gold Ashanti out at Tropicana Gold Mine. Um, that's a five-year contract with them. We also have a just entered a three-year contract at um, Iron Ridge, which is uh, near just outside of Kew, so that's um, Iron Ore, and that's with Phoenix Resources. So you're at d- different points of the golfers, aren't you? The far east and the far western. Yeah, that's right. So that's our mining um, projects. We're uh, constantly in a relationship with, I guess, with uh, DM Roads. They're the um, the contracting maintenance guys for the Goldfields um, main roads, highways, um, and so we're called on to their jobs whenever they need us, and that's that's an ongoing um, project. Yeah, and there's plenty of roads up that way too, isn't there? Yeah, <laughs> they go a- they go right way out east to the um, you know Nullarbor almost, and then uh, you know all the way up north to Aluna. And down south, I think we were also on a project just outside of Esperance, uh, west of Esperance. Yeah, so. it's a massive, massive. Yeah. There's some countries that are not as big as that. I can tell you that right now. Yeah. Um, looking at your fleet, you started off with the one water cart. How are you looking at the moment? It's growing, isn't it? Yeah. So we just the last last uh, piece of machinery we bought was another water cart, which was good. Um, 
But uh, I think our fleet is growing along with the contracts. That's all we can do as a small business. We have about um, six six uh, machines that are working, um, three LVs and a bus to get our guys around. Um, yeah, that's it in terms of our fleet. And you're based out of some different locations as well. I know you've got a base in Kalgoorlie Boulder, but you mentioned Laverton as well, and that obviously helps yeah. with your, your work into the northern part of the gold yeah. fields. Anywhere else where you've, you've got a bit of a base? Uh, no, not not really. I think we operate mostly from Kalgoorlie, so this is hometown and this is home base. Being a business, and as we were moving to before, we're talking about encouraging and growing, supporting a local business in Aboriginal workforce. How important is it to, to empower these Aboriginal communities that are throughout the, the northern goldfields and into the interior of WA to be able to have them a little bit more sustainable and you know mm. picking up skills along the way? Yeah, well, look, Glennie, the reason why Katrina and I got into business, I think the why for our business really is that we operate to leverage these opportunities that are available to Aboriginal people in the mining and the civils um, industry. But we do that for the betterment of the community. And we really want to see Aboriginal people take control of their own destiny, of their own future. That's what gets me up out of bed in the morning. That's what uh, encourages us when we're going through some, you know, some struggles and things that happen, um, you know, regular things in business. But that's really what drives us. And um, I think that's a result of um, our history. Uh, people have gone before us. I'm just thinking about our great-grandfather who um, used gold, you know, he's uh, prospecting to be able to survive, to uh, not live off sort of like uh, government. I think back in the day it was like, uh, what do you call it, when you're... You know, you get rations. Mm -hmm. So he, instead of going that route, having to sign his name down and go and get rations or controlled in a sense, he decided, no, I'm going to um, live off the land and I'm going to use the gold to be able to survive. So having that mentality in our family and it's it's been passed on every generation to see that and we want to see that for, for everyone. It's a wonderful way to, to empower further communities as well. And, and as you mentioned, we're going to go back to the Great Central Road because there's been an announcement in the last few days from the state government about increase in telecommunications through those particular communities as well. But that also awesome. th then brings on some, some other opportunities too because then mm -hmm. having a connected community also means that there's there's bigger opportunities to get you know all sorts of different things. Facebook, I'm going to use that as an example. <laughs> but, but there's, you know, having that connectivity connection to the land, having that connection to, to more people and having a connection mm. to, to the people who are coming through is, is going to be very, very important for those communities. Yeah, well, look, just on the flip side of that, Glennie, um, I'm involved with CAPS, Kulgadi, and, and all the CAPS, really, the schools. Now, that stands for Christian Aboriginal Parent Directed School. And um, in the past, those kids, they come from um, really remote uh, communities to the school and the, there's a um, boarding school there as well um, but the thing is in the past we we've taken them overseas so they can see what's out there they can see a different lifestyle how people live and and what people are struggling with you know when you when you go overseas and travel it just opens your eyes and and um, you get more uh, just just aware of what you're able to have at home it makes you appreciate what you have at home and also you notice the differences a lot more clearly. And I think 
by uh, the students at the school being taken on those trips, they came back and it was a, just a different attitude. And I think when they went back into their communities, you can see, right, I, I can see that there's other opportunities, there's things that we can do here. And that's exactly the same sort of thing, I think, that this road is going to do. It's going to provide um, insight, you know, that opportunity to speak with other people, mm. to understand what they... And they're going to point out things that are different to them and say, hey, I didn't realise that... Uh, I don't know. This is how you survive out in the wilderness, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And and you know the other things that can grow from that are, are huge. And uh, resources, I suppose, can can always just grow. And it's great to have that opportunity. That, that is just really just on that cusp, isn't it? Just mm. the road, the communication, everything that's coming along is really good. Now you've spoken a lot about family uh, and being involved with family, which is great, but it can be challenging. Uh, <laughs> there's some decisions in Cairo that perhaps have been settled, perhaps better over a game of backyard cricket than a boardroom table or a yeah. Kitchen table. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of uh, when that's happened. Honestly, I think um, it's it's really good working with family. I think because you um, you have an understanding of each other as well. But uh, I think Katrina and I have a really good work dynamic where we um, can have differences and we don't need to. Um, yeah smack it out with the cricket bat or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but we do, we do, we probably um, have more, solve more of our problems uh, just hanging out at the park with the kids or something mm-hmm. or on a phone call or, um, you know, just catching up uh, around the backyard. You're right, in the backyard we're sitting around having a yarn and then all of a sudden that problem comes up and then we've solved it. <laughs> Good. I'm sure there's plenty of other family businesses who'd like to take on some of that advice. Don't you worry about that. Yeah. Um, also something else that you're very passionate about as well, and we've spoken about growing Aboriginal businesses into communities, but the Goldfields Aboriginal Business Chamber, the strength of seeing Aboriginal businesses firstly start, then gain the success and later grow is pretty amazing. Is that the, the genesis for the Chamber and trying to help stimulate but also help support those Aboriginal businesses? Yeah, well, look, like I said, um, what our why was, was to see that uh, Aboriginal people can take control of their own destiny. But uh, I think I'm not, we're not the only one who think like that. There's a lot of people in the community who have great business ideas in the Aboriginal community. They have a lot of years' experience and they want to see if they can put that into action. And I love seeing how they um, grow and they, they work through it and then, then they become you know, their own business, their own independent boss. And that means that they can employ other people in their community and try and get them the opportunities that they had as well in their life. So um, the chamber, I think, is really important for an Aboriginal business community. You can't just have one Aboriginal business succeed. You really have to ensure that a lot of other people are growing with you because we're very small. Um, and I think it's, you know, in order to be a part of this nation, you know, we need to grow the Aboriginal business community. And it's some advice on growing and helping create those opportunities. You've seen that the state government have probably taken a, under the last four and a half years or thereabouts have taken more of an approach to involve Aboriginal mm. workforce into projects, which is great, and that boosts up Aboriginal businesses at the same time. Is there some other things that maybe there, there can be put in place through either local government or through state government? federal government, uh, mm. we look at those different tiers, or even private business that can help? Yeah. Well, I think um, taking opportunities, those opportunities that are regularly out there, and just considering whether whether that project can, can fit an Aboriginal business in there. And if you can, I mean, most of them, they can. They can tailor it. Aboriginal businesses aren't coming, you know, with 
without experience. They're not coming without uh, expertise, but they are coming with um, without experience running as a as a business. So, just for example, um, when we went to uh, Anglo Gold, um, Katrina and I, if you looked at our business experience, just as the business, it would have been really light. But if you looked at us personally and what we've done in the last 20 or so years, then then because they knew us and they knew our family, they were able to say, yeah, we can support you and we can support you in a big way in this, this contract that you're moving into. And I think that's what you have to do when you um, engage in Aboriginal business in these projects is there has to be ways that you get to know us personally. And I think that's why Anglo Gold were really good because they got to know the Aboriginal community personally. So there has to be, if there's something I could tell you that would um, help support this growth in the greater community is having those relationships with Aboriginal businesses. How do we create more opportunity to have those relationships? Yeah. And it's more than just a cup of coffee or just yeah. a, let's go out for a meal. It's a bit more about uh, learning more about each other's businesses, some some cultural training perhaps or some education and, and how that can work, you know, 10, 15 yeah. years down. And maybe that long-term plan, that, that could always be effective as well. Yeah. So um, tomorrow Katrina and I, or on May 27th, 26th, sorry, is Sorry Day and uh, Cairo's hosting a morning tea. And um, we just want people to... Uh, remember that day because it's very significant for all of Australia I think that the Prime Minister acknowledged um, the stolen generation and apologised for those policies and procedures that were inflicted upon Aboriginal people um, in the past and it makes it, I know people say harping on about the past let's move on but really if you acknowledge that then you recognise uh, that's a big part of me that's a big part of who I am I've been impacted by that from previous generations and that's who you're getting and that, that makes that's important for healing and going forward and then um, on the 27th starts the week of uh, Reconciliation Week and, and there's a lot of significance behind those dates as well um, and if you get to know that then you know why Aboriginal people um, maybe come to you a bit hurt why they're coming um, why a lot of us are hurting still and why there's no healing yet and it, and it makes a big difference yeah. It's amazing to hear that as well, uh, Rowan. I know our, our podcast wasn't uh, heading into that sort of direction to, to be able to talk more about um, um, Sorry Day or Reconciliation Week, which is just approaching, but mm. it, it's great to build up that that knowledge for people as well and, and to, to hear mm. that. Uh, I think it's very important. So thanks very much for sharing that with us on the podcast. No worries. Um, some advice from you about entering business. Uh, is there a quote or a business <laughs> mantra that you have on your wall or an old notebook or notes in your phone, something that you live by <laughs> that you go, yes, this is what's going to empower me every day? Yeah, I think um, something that always comes to mind is if uh, if they can do it, I can do it. I know that sounds a little bit like big notary-ish, but it, it can be done. It's not to doubt yourself in a sense. Um, just because you don't know how to do it now doesn't mean you won't know how to do it in the future. Another one that I should I should have mentioned this one, this is my favourite, is that it's, it's okay to fail, you know. Um, having that understanding, it sort of gives you freedom to take opportunities that you haven't taken before or try different things and then in doing them, maybe you are going to fall over. I think there's a great uh, Nike ad out now and I really like it because it, it shows people not being successful at whatever sport that they're doing, but just having a go. 
So yeah, absolutely. And, and I suppose we're, we're hooked on that winning feeling too, aren't we? We mm. we create ourselves our own little environment where where winning and, and getting the right uh, edge is is more important than anything else. But uh, you got to take a couple of back steps before you can get there too. That's right. You got to you got to fail in order to uh, succeed. I think, and uh, I think there was some some theory I read about that that um, there's no way you can um, go forward in your success. So there's no. Uh, going to that next level without actually failing. So I think that was a good theory I read. <laughs> Somewhere in some airport book, I was standing up reading it. I was like, that's great. Oh, you probably paid triple the price for it as well in an yeah. airport book. Yeah, no, I didn't buy it. <laughs> so I just, just read it while I was standing there and put it back. <laughs> Terrible. I wish I did buy it, though. It was a good book. There's been plenty of those I've seen, too, so you're not guilty there. Hey, um, backtrack to your early life. I know we've spoken a lot about Cairo, and our, our feature is about Cairo as an mm. Aboriginal business, but um, where did your passion for law originally come from? I think it was um, just, just uh, like I said, I, I grew up in a, a family business and seeing it, I don't know, I always had that desire to go into law, but seeing the Aboriginal um, business grow that I was, uh, my family was involved in, I always wondered, how can I support that? How can I um, be involved in it? And it always come down to sometimes we had lack of knowledge in that area and I wanted to be able to understand it more. And just understanding, like I said, you know, the stolen generation, understanding where they came from because I have a grandfather who was uh, stolen and um, the law, just understanding where they got to that point. How did they get to making those policies and and and. It was just intriguing to me, so that's really why I went into that space. And I always wanted to come out of it being uh, able to help help Aboriginal businesses, and and not not so much going into the uh, criminal side of things, but more um, commercial law. And then, yeah. the, hello, Cairo. Uh, yeah, exactly. Gee whiz. <laughs> uh, lastly, uh, or in fact, it's our second to last question because we've got a new last question on our crib room, and you'll be the first to experience it. But the, yeah. the last question for Cairo is: Where do you see Cairo in five years, and what is the vision? I think uh, for Cairo, we want to see ourselves as a a competitor in the space that we're in. So mining services is what we do uh, most of the time and, and a bit of civil contracting. But we like to see ourselves as a real competitor with uh, the rest of the industry, um, not just Aboriginal businesses, and be able to also facilitate other Aboriginal businesses as uh, as a head contractor, giving them that opportunity as our subby. So. That's something we want to do in five years' time. I wish you all the best of luck to both yourself and Katrina on that and your family as well. Lastly, our last question now. This is a good one. Uh, Thanks to the Miners Rest, we're going to be creating a crib room burger. So you get to put the first ingredient onto our burger. Uh, It's the burger that's being built by a podcast. And if you and Curtis were at home, uh, or vice versa, I reckon Curtis would get home before you, being a school principal. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Tell us about being in the kitchen, making a burger... What goes on your burger? What's a must on your burger? Uh, look, Curtis makes a big deal about this, and the the burger has to be, that mince has to be just right, and I think he has a secret ingredients which I can't share on. You <laughs> <laughs> might kill me, but it, it's a mix, and it really has to be that right, and thickness, thickness of the meat, of yep. the burger meat, and uh, just a bit of 
bit of love, I think, in there. But uh, it really is that burger. The burger makes the burger. It's all <laughs> the down burger, to the patty. The patty makes the burger. That's it's all it. down to the patty. Yeah. Rowena, thanks very much for joining us on our Crib Room podcast. It is season two and you are part of episode one of the new season, but it's outstanding to hear Cairo here, what your vision is for the next five years, hear how you're using your business to talk to Aboriginal communities and engage with them as well and to grow their businesses and their communities as well. But at the same time, you seem like you're having a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. It's been great. <laughs> it's been great. <laughs> Has the podcast been great? Oh, yeah, it's fun. Thanks for having me. No, thank you very much for joining us. It is a Crib Room podcast, and it's all thanks to Image Your Services, plumbing, excavation, controlled waste and carpentry services in Calgary, Boulder in Western Australia. Thanks very much for joining us, Rowena Leslie. It is the Crib Room podcast. The Crib Room series of podcasts are produced by Industry Link Media. Subscribe to podcasts via your audio platform and via industrylinkmedia.com. This is a Crib Room Podcast.